0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor at com. You know what that means, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers Welcome to another episode of Let's Ride It is Wednesday, it's hump day Happy Hump Day, everyone. We are halfway through the week. Man, this week has flown by for me. I hope it has for you, too, and in the second half of this show, as we always do every single Wednesday, it is the mailbag time where my ride-or-die crew reaches out on Twitter. They follow the rules, they get the questions in, and I answer every single one of them. So make sure you stay tuned for the second half of this show. And then also, I have to remind you, Please check out all of our content on the network and I'm not just talking about the morning lineup which is tremendous by the way. Jeffrey Benedict had a fantastic podcast yesterday on Cornerbacks. Go listen to it. You'll learn something and you'll come away feeling more knowledgeable. Guarantee you that, okay? And then also Dave Schofield will be in tomorrow for the Steelers Stat Geek. That's every Thursday morning. Our noon lineup is tremendous so are our PM shows, make sure you check it all out wherever you get your podcasts. Search Steelers or Behind the steel Curtain. Subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss the thing. I always say no news is good news, but in this case, there's been some news. Some about the AFC North, some about the Pittsburgh Steelers. I want to start off that on Monday night, I wrote this article for the website on Tuesday. I was so excited as a Pirate fan, and I'm not going to talk about the Pirates a lot, but the Pirates, they, they brought up some young talent. They waited until June after a certain date. That's contractual stuff. I hate it, but it's baseball. We knew it was going to happen. O'Neal Cruz was the big name. He made his debut in 2021, but he came up and put on a show. I mean, he put on a show. And guess who was there to watch? The Pittsburgh Steelers rookie class. There were some that weren't at least in this team photo or the draft class photo. I didn't see George Pickens. Didn't see DeMarvin Leal. But you saw... Calvin Austin III looking absolutely miserable. Uh, Connor Hayward looked like he'd rather be anywhere but there. But Kenny Pickett was front and center. So was uh, Chris Oladokun. They looked like they were, an enjoy- they were enjoying themselves at the game. They got to see another team in Pittsburgh and their young players showing out. Maybe that'll rub off a little bit. Maybe they'll say, wow, man, look, look at, look at O'Neill Cruz. He just came up from AAA Indianapolis and he is raking. That dude is a masher. He's got a cannon of an arm. I can do that too. Just wait till July 26 when we report to training camp. So that was pretty cool. I thought that was a, a good story. Also, on Tuesday, Larry Ogunjobi. I hope I said that correctly. I butcher names nonstop, but so I hope I got that right. He recently played, and played very well, for the, the Cincinnati Bengals last year. Has some health issues uh, crop up, and that's probably why he's still on the free agent market. He's a defensive lineman, in case you didn't know. Very good, if healthy. And that's a big if. If healthy, boy, would he be a great addition for the Pittsburgh Steelers' defensive front in terms of stopping the run, giving them another body with starting experience. Now, this is his second visit. He was in Pittsburgh on Tuesday for a workout, probably a medical check, all that good stuff. He has also visited the New York Jets. So if you're sitting there thinking, okay, a deal's about to get done, I would pump the brakes on that. The Pittsburgh Steelers have hosted players like this before, and they've left without a contract. And the the reason being is they, they might have their medical, their trainers, their staff look at them, and they might say, Coach, that ankle, that's rough. That's bad. He's not going to be playing anytime soon for anyone unless he wants to talk about permanent damage. I'm not saying that's what happened, but I'm saying that could happen. And if that did happen... That could give you a, a glimpse into why the Steelers might not be interested. They have the cap space to sign him. He would be a great addition if he's healthy. We will see. On the AFC North front, Cleveland, I mean, obviously Cleveland has dominated headlines, mainly because of Deshaun Watson. The 24 allegations against him, I haven't talked a lot about this. I'm not going to talk a lot about it today. Just to give you an update, 20 of the 24 allegations, Cases, civil cases against Deshaun Watson have been settled out of court. We don't know how much was given, but those those people basically were paid off, just like Ben Roethlisberger paid off his accusers from Nevada and Georgia way back in 2010. But four cases are still pending. Deshaun Watson is likely going to face a suspension. We're not sure how long. We've heard everything from six to eight games all the way to a full year. Some are saying that maybe it's a multi-year suspension. I don't know if they'd go that far, but we will see how that goes. That could have a big factor in Cleveland's success. But real quick, I had a buddy mention, send me a text saying, what do you think about this? I think the Browns knew exactly what they were getting themselves into. They knew about the allegations, and you know what they say they said? Even if you get suspended a year, we're fine with it. Even if you get suspended a year, we have you, who they deem to be a franchise quarterback for the next six-plus years. So we'll take a year off if that's what it takes. Hey, that's a very Browns thing to do. Not a lot of teams would have done it, but they did. And even if he's suspended for a year, I am guarantee they're sitting back there thinking, OK, 2023, we're going to get Deshaun. It's going to be all in the past, and we'll be able to move forward. I don't know if that's going to happen. We'll see. I will keep you up to date on that. The other news about the Pittsburgh Steelers is kind of the crux of what I want to talk about today. In all of this, and the title of this podcast is The Steelers Should Have Confidence in Their Abilities. I'll say that again. Steelers players should have confidence in their abilities. Now, if you didn't know what I'm talking about, you're not sure the news that I'm talking about I'm talking about Chase Claypool's quote. If you haven't seen it, I wrote the article about it uh, that ran on Tuesday morning for the website. Chase Claypool went on a podcast. I think it is I Am Athlete or something of that nature. And he was asked essentially, where do you put yourself in terms of rankings amongst the wide receivers in the NFL? Chase Claypool's answer? I put myself in the top three. And every... Single outlet on Twitter, on the internet, ran with it. I mean, they sprinted with it. They took it and they put it in memes and they put it in images and they had it in articles. You think of a way to spin it, and it was spun after he said that. Now, there's really two camps here when it came to how fans, both of the Steelers and of other teams, viewed chase claypool's comments there were the people that said okay this guy is dreaming maybe a little overconfident maybe a little arrogant and and then there were the people that in that same camp would say all the deficiencies about chase claypool doesn't do well high pointing the ball all this stuff then there was the other camp the other camp that said all right okay chase i see you I see what you're doing. You are confident you are saying your goals publicly. That that takes guts. It really does. There's two camps here. Not many towed the middle. And so when I looked at what these people that were against what Chase Claypool said, and somehow finding it to be a negative, I thought about this and said, How can this be a negative? Some people said, Well, Chase Claypool's all about himself. I mean, look, he's, he was on the Juju Smith-Schuster branding and image tour the last two years. Okay, I'll give you that. It was when he was around Juju Smith-Schuster that he started to focus on his social media presence, creating a YouTube channel. So I was curious. I went and looked at his YouTube channel. Last video that he posted, five months ago. Five months ago. I don't know what you know, listener out there, wherever you are, I don't know what you know about YouTube channels. I do know a few things based on the fact that we at Behind the Steel Curtain have a YouTube channel. We're not uber successful. We have 8,000 followers. That's fine. But still, you don't have a YouTube channel that's successful when you don't post for five months. It doesn't work that way. That would be like me doing a podcast once every five months. Do you think that would be successful? Do you think anyone on Twitter would use the hashtag ride or die crew or send me messages saying, Jeff, love the show, or asking questions in the mailbag? The answer to that is a resounding no. Five months since his last YouTube video was posted. Then I was curious. You know, I thought to myself, I haven't seen him on Twitter much. And so I was like, okay, let's find his Twitter account. So I go to his Twitter account. Last time he posted was when uh, some people deemed this to be quote unquote controversial video on April 9th if you remember after Dwayne Haskins was killed in Florida later that afternoon Claypool posted the video of him really showing his emotions after it you know he had just been with Haskins in Florida that was the last tweet he has put out on social media maybe he's active on Instagram I don't have that app on my phone anymore Um, Facebook I doubt it for someone his age but still when I think about that I'm thinking about, okay, is this guy as arrogant as everyone thinks? He came in to instant success. No one can deny that. His rookie season, he came in in 2020, and boy, did he light the world on fire, totaling 10 touchdowns. Like That's incredible. Incredible stuff. Sophomore year, I would say it was a sophomore slump. I think everyone out there listening, whether you are the most optimistic fan or not, he had his issues in 2021. But let's get back to the task at hand. People saying, oh, this is him being so arrogant. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this is Chase Claypool saying, you know what? I'm confident in my abilities. I'm confident in my abilities so much so that on a public platform that I know everyone, the media, fans, teammates, rivals, doesn't matter, are going to hear. And I'm going to say it for all of you to hear. I think I'm a top three receiver in the NFL. Oh, but Jeff, he's not a good route runner. You don't think that an athlete can improve their route running? We've seen it before. Martavis Bryant wasn't a fantastic route runner when he came to the league. Improved. Juju Smith-Schuster improved. Antonio Brown wasn't a world beater when he came into the league, but he improved into one of the best route runners the NFL has seen. Oh, but Jeff, last year he was just so bad. Come on, people. You don't think players have years where things are just off a little bit? Where maybe he thought he was going to come in and just pick up where he left off, when in reality, he came in and struggled? You know that can happen, right? And you know that people can rebound from that, right? If not, well, you don't have much history in athletics, and I don't care what level, I don't care what sport. If you know anything about sports, you know... That there's times where a whole season can can go sour. And maybe that was last year for Chase Claypool. This guy has every single physical attribute you want in a wide receiver. And everyone calls him, you know, Mapletron. And the reason being is that I think outside of being an inch shorter than Calvin Johnson, his measurables are almost identical. It's uncanny. When you look at their 40 times prior to being drafted, their height, their weight, it's uncanny. Now, he just has to put it all together. He has to go out there and say, okay, I need to work on things like my hands and catching the ball away from my body, something he has already said he's worked on. My buddy Chris Carter interviewed him, and that interview, the whole interview, which is basically a one-on-one with CC, they put it on the Steelers' website, and this was Chase Claypool's media availability during minicamp. He talked about buying this sophisticated jugs machine, and he's been working on it every single day. And then you take a look at the leadership aspect of how he's been the guy that was there helping George Pickens, Calvin Austin the third, these young receivers. He's the veteran of the group. When Deontay Johnson wasn't there in week one, it was him. And he seemed to be embracing that. Embracing that leadership role. And he's never been to St. Vincent College, but that doesn't matter. Right now. Maybe he is that guy and maybe he is changing. Changing on the field. Working on his skill. Working on his craft. Changing off the field. Not worried so much about the brand and the image. Changing as a leader. I see nothing negative about what he said. Absolutely nothing. And on top of that, I would want every single member of the Pittsburgh Steelers to say that they think they are the best at their position. Because if you don't, what is that saying? Let's go back. Let's think about it. Okay, the, the the podcaster says, Chase, all right, man, where do you put yourself? Like, where do you rank yourself amongst NFL wide receivers? And what if Chase Claypool said this? Well, you know, I don't know. I don't think I'm that great. Probably, like, bottom third, you know? I, I don't know how many, how many wide receivers are there if there's 200. I don't know, 150. If I heard that and I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm like, hey, pack your bags. Just don't even come to camp. You can clean out your locker. Actually, do you know what? Don't clean out your locker. We'll send you the stuff. We'll FedEx you the stuff. Stay home in Canada, wherever you are, and you can just you can be you and you do you. If that's what I heard my players say. You have to be confident to make it in this game. To make it as a professional in any game, you have to just breathe and just reek of confidence. You know, I went to a high school small private school in West Virginia, we were very successful in athletics. I mean, we would beat, we were a single A school, and we would beat um, 4A schools in the state of of West Virginia. And we took pride in that because, you know what, especially in a sport like baseball, it's it's your best nine. It doesn't matter if you have 2,000 kids or 200 kids in your school. You have a nine that's better than their nine. It doesn't matter. And we were, on all sports, very, very confident. And even on my senior yearbook, we had a saying on the front that said, confident, not cocky. That was our saying, confident, not cocky. And there is a difference. It's a fine line, but there is a difference. If I'm the Steelers, I embrace what Chase Claypool said. And I am demanding every single person on that team, doesn't matter offense, doesn't matter defense, doesn't matter in the trenches, skill position players, you don't have to say it publicly, but you better believe that you are a top three at your position. If I'm Calvin Austin third, I am the top three of the rookie wide receiver class. I'm better than Pickens. I'm better than every other player that was drafted before me. You may not believe that as a fan, but if they don't believe that as a player, that player's got confidence issues, and that's a big deal. What do you want Chase Claypool to say? What do you want him to do? Oh, he's on social media too much. He's not. He's not. Oh, he's worried more about his brand. Nope, he gave that up. You don't, I'm telling you. Juju Smith-Schuster never stopped the YouTube videos. Chase Claypool did. He hasn't sent out a tweet since April 9th. This guy's working on his craft. So please, spare me the holier-than-thou. He's no good. He can't run routes. All this garbage that you all spew constantly. I want the Steelers to be confident in their ability. Every single player should be confident in their ability. And I'm glad that Chase Claypool said what he said i hope he goes out in 2022 and he tears it up and he can point in every single person and say i told y'all i was top three now you know now you see it that's what i hope and every one of you that's listening should hope the same thing why you're a steelers fan if he does well the Steelers do well that's what you should think all right enough of the soapbox talk when we come back after this break It's the second half of the Wednesday show. That means what? Mailbag time. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. It is Wednesday, happy hump day, second half of the show, it's mailbag time, I put out the tweet on Twitter, of course, of course, if you listen to my Monday show, you should have known what movie I was going to have a gift from, Kenny Pickett's favorite movie, Wedding Crashers, that's right, Uh, so if you had that, if you saw it, you can follow me on Twitter for free, at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T, we had a lot of questions, let's get right to it, Brian Haynes asked several, here's his first one, What are your realistic expectations for the offense? Points per game and offensive rankings, please. Hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you, Brian. Okay, so my realistic expectations, points per game, I want it north of 20. I would say ideally north of 23. It's going to be tough. It's a tall task. But offensive rankings, uh, I would love just to have an offense that can rush for 100 yards on average per game. I want minimal turnovers. And I love an offensive line that can protect the quarterback. I know those aren't complete offensive rankings, but I think a lot of those rankings are stupid anyways. Brian asked another one. If the defense can hold teams off of 20 points, can this offense perform well enough, well enough sorry. from what you've seen and heard so far to win 11-plus games? So and that's a good question. If the defense can keep them off 20, it's something I used to say with my lacrosse team, the rule of 10s. So in this case, the rule of 20. If the defense keeps the the other team away from 20 points, the Steelers' offense should be capable enough to score 20 points. Can they win 11-plus games? I absolutely think that they can. Now, am I going to predict that? No. But can I see them shocking a lot of people and being very, very good? Yes. That 20 points per game is going to be a line that I'm going to keep a very close eye on this year. I think that is going to be right about where we are going to be in terms of offensive production and defense, how they do against the opposition. Southside doc says, why did the Steelers struggle to develop running backs? Sure. High round picks like bell lady on bell and Najee Harris had great success, but unlike wide receivers, mid round picks have been mixed at best. Is there an issue with scheme or pedigree? Are the Steelers properly utilizing Harris? These are all great questions. So for me, I think that sometimes a player like a Benny Snell Jr. will be drafted. And when he was drafted, you have to think about, okay, who was the offensive coordinator at the time? Like Randy Feetner was involved. We know what that was like. And then you bring in a Matt Canada. Now, Matt Canada might say, this is not a guy that I would have drafted at all. This is a guy I would have avoided. He doesn't fit the scheme. He's not what I want at running back. You know who he wanted? He wanted Anthony McFarlane, and he got his guy. He got his guy back in uh, 2020. So it's, it's a situation where I think that it's not so much that the Steelers are swinging and missing on these mid round picks. I think sometimes the scheme does dictate success and or failure. And I also think it's important to note that the Steelers, when they get a Le'Veon Bell, second round pick, a Najee Harris, first round pick, that it's one of those situations where, I, I, I they, they they, know what they want. They want that bell cow back, and sometimes you got to spend a high-round pick to get it. Uh, it's kind of like a quarterback in some instances, but you're right. They have missed on those mid-round picks at times. Uh, Southside Doc that's another one. Tony's article, he's talking about Tony Defeo, on Chuck Knoll, discussed his loyalty to his assistant coaches. With discussions about how the Steelers do business, do you believe that this was entirely his fault? Or... Was there any part of the organizational involvement? How does Coach T compare to that complaint? Mike Tomlin is very loyal to his coaches. I think you've seen that over his time. And when you look at what Chuck Knoll did back in his era, that was way before I became a fan. I'm only going to speak of the current regime. And you have to remember that sometimes these coaching decisions, whether it was Bruce Arians being or or retiring, quote unquote, or... You know Todd Haley not having his contract. I think that's mainly it's it's Art Rooney II that's making that call, that's saying look, but this is not the direction we want to go. So I think that Tomlin is very loyal. He is a key component of the hiring process, but he's not always the guy that's firing. And so when you think about it in that regard, it's one of those situations where I think he's loyal. I'm not sure I would say loyal to a fault, but he's definitely loyal. Southside Doc asks another one, will the current focus on a defense-minded approach be enough to win a championship? With a top-ranked defense, how good would the offense need to be to be consistently competitive rather than winning ugly? You're going to have ugly wins, and if you can win ugly, you still win football games. That's important. But I think that defense-minded with a, a, a dominant defense, like you described, with a An offense that is adequate. I think that would be a good way to describe it. An adequate offense that can put up 20, 23 points. I think it's good enough to win a championship, but that defense better be dominant. That's important. Brian Haynes asked what percent of the offensive production comes from Najee Harris. In 2022, I would say uh, we'll go with 40%. It's going to be high, maybe 50% because he does catch the ball out of the backfield a lot, he's going to be a focal point as he should be. Lori asked, hey, Jeff, which position worries you the most and which one worries you the least going into the season? She listed running back, tackle, cornerback, or inside linebacker. So the one that worries me the most, ah, this is tough. It's between tackle and cornerback. I'm going to go with tackle. I think that you think about Dan Moore Jr. in year two, Chooks of has got a lot to prove still, even though he just got that contract, the least I'm going to have to go with running back. And that's because I'm not one of those Benny Snell haters that thinks he should be cut. And And plus Najee Harris is phenomenal. And so if he can stay healthy, the running back position will be just fine. Cheeseball 10. Hey, Jeff. A simple one for you today. If Deshaun Watson plays all 17 games this year for the Browns, how many games do they win? If he plays zero, same question. If he plays 17 games, I'm going to say that the Browns finish anywhere around eight or nine wins. If he plays none, I'm going to say that they are going to win uh, seven, six or seven. Six or seven. There you go. It's quite the difference if he plays or doesn't. Okay, Eric asks, do you think we need the Steelers need to sign Joe Hayden to have a top 10 defense this year, or should the Steelers stay pat at cornerback? I feel like even though Hayden is aging, he's a locker room gem and a veteran presence that the team can utilize. The cornerback room will be, quote-unquote, complete, in Eric's opinion. I think that Joe Hayden, and I said keep an eye on him, he hasn't signed anywhere. There's been no rumors of where he might end up. He would have to take a big discount to come back. He'd have to say, look, I just want to play one more year. I want to play for a team that was is going to win. And if the Steelers, if they've got a good group, let's make it happen. I think that he could come back, but I'm not predicting him to come back. I think he'll find a team elsewhere. Maybe in training camp, if there's an injury. Maybe that's the Steelers. I don't know. We'll see. It just, the price tag worries me. That's all I'm going to say about that. Will Caldwell asks a couple First, is it just me, or did you also enjoy the fact that Roethlisberger wasn't the most cerebral? I love the fact that he was just a baller and let his talent do the talking. And that's something that I was talking with some friends about when I was back home in Wheeling, West Virginia over the weekend. They were talking about Roethlisberger early in his career after Bill Cowher made some comments, and I said, let's not pretend like Ben was something he wasn't when he was in the league even early in his career. He was never the three-step drop Back foot hits the ground. Boom. Balls out on target. He could do it. That wasn't his style. It was three-step drop. You know, you're know, you manipulating the pocket. Pump fake, pump fake, big play downfield. And that's just who he was. He was a baller. He was a backyard, draw it up in the sand, run around like a chicken with your head cut off, find the big play down the field. And that's what we all loved about Big Ben because he was very unconventional in everything that he did. Will asked another one, hey, Jeff is a father do you have any advice for caring for multiple girls? Oh, wow. This is interesting. We just had our second last month and the oldest is now two years. Congratulations, Will, on welcoming your second daughter as a father of four daughters. I can say that um, there's a lot of things that are different. Uh, I do have a son. He's my oldest, by the way, in case anyone doesn't know that. But in terms of having daughters, I think that there's there's a, there's a right and there's a wrong way of of handling certain circumstances and situations. Uh, you have to be very cognizant of your behavior, your words, the way that you address them. You want to build them with confidence. You want to have them feeling as if they are the bell of the ball, so to speak. And that's the way they should feel. It's different. It's tough to explain. I would have to literally go through every single scenario. But my oldest daughter is 11. My youngest daughter will be four in a couple days. It's hard to believe she'll be four years old. And so you, you definitely see a, a spectrum of how you handle it. And, and let me also say every single child, whether it be a male or female, doesn't matter is different. And you have to get to know them well enough. And so when you say your oldest is two, you're just getting to know that child. And then the young one just enjoy the heck out of it when they're that little, cause it doesn't last long. I still can't believe I have a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old, so just enjoy it, Will. There you go. Aiden Blaine asks, Hey, Jeff, I was asking an interesting question as an icebreaker at work last week and thought I'd try it on you. What is one thing you really enjoy that you would be willing to give up for a whole year in order to see the Steelers win the Super Bowl this season? Ride or die, crew. It's a tough one, Aiden. I'll tell you what. I would be willing to say that outside of watching the team play – I would give up television for an entire year. So in other words, if you said, Jeff, the only TV you get to watch is the games themselves. Okay. It's the only television you watch. You can't watch on your phone. You can't watch any TV outside of the Steelers playing their games. But because you gave up that sacrifice for a year, the Steelers win a Super Bowl. I'd do it in a heartbeat and it probably wouldn't even be difficult. Good question. Uh, Aiden, that's a, That's an interesting one. Uh, that made me think. RJ asks, what's your favorite jersey for the Steelers? I love the bubble bumblebee jerseys for years, but I'd have to say my favorite now is the color rush. Color rush is a great jersey. I always go back to the first throwback that I really liked, and that was the Heinz Ward era when they had the yellow helmets. It was kind of a color rush jersey. The top, but the white pants with the gold stripes. I love those uniforms. I thought they were good. And I also didn't hate the Bumblebees as much as some people did. Daily Join says, hey Jeff, got a different kind of question today. Do you have in-game annoyances that get that get to you the most? For example, Boz misses at least one point after every season without fail. I love Boz, but that always drives me nuts. Can be past or present players, uh past or present players since it's unique. So anything that, that drives me crazy in game, well, obviously we know that I can't stand majority of the announcers. So those they always drive me crazy. But in game, I get so mad at first and third quarter timeouts called. It's nothing makes me more frustrated than especially in a big game. It's the third quarter, and it might not even be a big spot. You know, it's not a red zone. It might not be a a, a you know, first and goal and you're trying to punch it you want to make sure you have the right unit out there. It's not even that. Sometimes it's just bad game management and they call a timeout and I keep on thinking that they're going to it's going to come back to haunt them because now they only have one timeout left that limits what you can do from challenges. It limits limits what you can do at the end of the game if necessary. That is what drives me nuts. Nathan Van Slyke, not related to my favorite baseball player growing up, Andy. Hey, Jeff, I hear that Larry Ogunjobi was spotted in Pittsburgh today. How likely is it the Steelers sign him? Again, Nathan, I said this at the beginning of the show. I'm sure you heard it. I, it all depends on his health, and it depends on the price tag. So, for instance, if he comes to Pittsburgh, he checks out from a medical standpoint, and he fits from a price standpoint. Unless the New York Jets, the other team that brought him in for a workout, say, we'll give you more. Maybe he turns him down to stay in Pittsburgh. I don't know. But there's a lot of factors in there, Nathan, but good question. ELH says, is it me? Or does Kenny Pickett give off a Zach Morris from the college years vibe? You know, I, I found that to be very funny that you asked that. Um, I don't think it's Zach Morris from the college years vibe. I To me, it's more like a Van Wilder vibe. I was in a fraternity. I don't know if Kenny Pickett was in a fraternity. If he wasn't, he missed a heck of an opportunity to be in one. He seems like a frat guy. And I'll be honest. I, you know, I met my wife in college. I talked to her a lot about this type of stuff. And I said, Hey, uh, just so you know, uh, Kenny Pickett's favorite movie. You'll never guess what it was. And I said, it was wedding crasher. She said, Oh, what a frat guy. And I said, that's why I like him. That's why I like Kenny Pickett. So, there you go. Like I said, I'm, I'm thinking more Van Wilder than Zach Morris from the college years, but it, maybe it's just me. Frat guy, that's what I see all the way. All right, speaking of Kenny Pickett, it's going to be my topic of conversation on Friday, so make sure you check me out there. Make sure you check out all of our podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Steelers and Behind the Steel Curtain. You'll find us, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so you don't miss a thing. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless have a great rest of your week. We'll see you on Friday. Go steep. My candles burning bright. I sleep for three to four hours every night. My sipping coffee burn all till the morning light. My switches never turn on.